This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Magic of the Cup, eh? City triumph in a ding-dong battle at the Etihad Stadium, taking one step beyond Chelsea into the next round of the Carabao Cup. We'll chat about all the madness from City's 2-0 win, discuss the standout players and ask if Raheem Sterling's reception was justified. It's Thursday the 10th of November. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And I'm Oliver Lowe. And this is the City Report Podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Well, guys, um, I don't know about you, but I found that a little more tense than I thought it was going to be. Um, obviously, we're jumping on straight after City's 2-0 win in the Carabao Cup against Chelsea. Straight into it, Adam, no messing about. Thoughts on the game? Personally, I enjoyed it, but in terms of the fixture itself, I, I for some reason, I really wanted to win the game. I really wanted City to win the game. Glad they did, but it was a little more tense than expected. Well, you wanted to game. You wanted to win the game because it's a magical Carabao night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those famous so Carabao long. nights. Yeah, um, I, I was cracking up in the first fifteen minutes because, at least on the, the television broadcast, the atmosphere was electric in the opening minutes, and I just mm. thought it doesn't even get like this when Real Madrid comes to town. <laughs> but that, that's the magic of the cup. Um, yeah, it was a no, sellout. I, I, it was mad. It yeah. was a sellout. I, I thought City played really well. Um, they were mm. really slick in the opening exchanges. Um, I think it's no no surprise that when you play with inverted wingers with overlapping fullbacks, you create a lot of overloads and create a lot of chances, mm. and you get those those balls from from wide that kind of land on the penalty spot. Um, unfortunately, nobody was there to tap them home a few times, but City could have run up the score in the first ten or fifteen minutes, and then obviously Chelsea kind of made their way back into the game. But it's it's another instance of, you know, we spoke about it after the Sevilla game. City go back to doing what they do best, which is create wide overloads, 
you know, high and wide fullbacks and, and they had a lot of joy that way. So if from, from a purely non-analytical view, it was a lot of fun to watch. Mm. Yeah, it, it felt like how I thought last week's Sevilla game should have gone. Well, but obviously it takes two to tango and, and Sevilla were intent on sort of just frustrating City where Chelsea credit where it's due. I think I looked at the XG at full time. It was 1.8, 1.9. I can't remember who's favourite, but you know, Essentially, it was even. City got the rub of the green. Um, Oliver, what did you make of the game? Because I, I saw some people actually sort of pre-matching at half-time going, I wouldn't actually mind City losing this game. And I, I couldn't comprehend it myself. I think the argument was that City's next game in this in this competition, if they got through, would have been before Christmas, after the World Cup. So in that small window, I think it's two or three days after the potential final. Um, and, I, I, you know, I think City have got a, bit, a, deep, a deep enough squad to compete regardless of when the games are going to be. You could play the next round tomorrow. I think City would have enough quality to compete. So I didn't quite understand people not wanting City to win. I, I, it sounds mad, doesn't it? But there, there was some out there. Um, but but what did you make of the 90 minutes? Because like Adam said, it was it was an enjoyable match. Yeah, it was um, It was what I think in, in football in terms you'd describe as great for the neutral. Um, yes. So, yeah. you know, open game, end-to-end, as you said, Chelsea, uh, you know, didn't didn't just rest on the laurels. They tried to get involved um, in the match as much as possible and bring it to City. Uh, likewise, on the opposite end, we, we took it to Chelsea as much as possible. Um, I think especially at the start of both halves, we started really well. Obviously, in the second half, we, we, we got those breakthroughs with the two goals in four minutes. So, you know, sort of two quick punches to maybe put things out of Chelsea's reach but the first 20 minutes of that first half were really positive um yeah I 100% agree I mean you get you get some football fans nowadays who I think you know can be over overly analytical which is fine they're within the right to do that but as you say you know for Man City I don't think anyone any City fan can turn around and complain about squad depth and Mm. Um, you know, and say that we shouldn't be competing in every tournament, especially when it's sort of like you know the holy grail of of, of Man City's existence, which is the Carabao <laughs> Cup. Yeah, yeah, we had Ollie, obviously, not you, not you, Ollie, another Ollie, one of three Ollies on um, the <laughs> show in the preview to this game, and he was saying basically, you know, City win another one, they'll go outright in terms of the record. Liverpool pegged it back last year, and it is it, it's sort of City are, are epitomised by this competition now, and it was great to get back into winning ways in the Carabao Cup but you spot on it I mean like don't get me wrong City don't have the biggest squad in the world but in terms of that quality they have more than enough to get past most teams regardless of the uh, how, how things are going and, and you know you look at the bench dear me I think it was 340 million pounds with for talent and we know that doesn't mean everything but it was a stacked bench and there was enough quality on the pitch in the end anyway. And, and we'll get into speaking about some of those quality players. I've highlighted a few which we'll, we'll rattle through now, but I think we can only start with one man, Adam. Stefan Ortega Moreno. What a performance from him. He was even making saves he didn't have to when it was offside, you know. And it was ironic, wasn't it? In typical City fashion, the one that eventually went in but obviously got ruled out for offside, he just let it slip through his hands. It's like, fuck this, I've had enough now. I've done, I've done my bit, you can clear my mess up. And, and obviously the, the offside flag helped him keep a clean sheet, but it was an inspired performance. Well, he's probably a little bit afraid of Ederson's wrath if he played too well because <laughs> he's a scary, Wouldn't you scary be? man. Wouldn't you be? Yeah. Um, no, he was he was phenomenal on the night. And he's another one in a line, a long line of of city keepers that excel in this competition. You know, we've seen Willie Caballero, we've mm. seen um who was it, Claudio Bravo. Um, for whatever reason, city keepers just stand on their head in this competition. And obviously with the 
you know, the, the constant uh, theory that Ederson is not a good enough shot stopper to play in this team, always bouncing around. You know, this isn't going to help fuel that narrative um, or slow down the fueling of that narrative. But <laughs> yeah, he, he was phenomenal. And, and you know, obviously Ederson, there's no threat to his, his number one spot, as I've seen mm. some people throw out there. Um, I'd love to see Ortega do it in, you know, the league or, or we've seen him play pretty well in the Champions League. But um, yeah, he was phenomenal. And, and the kick saves were, dare I say it, David De Gea-esque. Yeah, um, I was going to say that. I was going to say that. And a lot, I think probably half of his saves tonight maybe came with his feet, which are always the most um, the most aesthetically pleasing. So yeah, he was phenomenal on the night for sure. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of uh, famous Manchester City League Cup goalkeepers, Costal Pantilman, another one who, who starred in City's yeah. 2013 run to the final. So it, maybe maybe they, like, they start their evening before a Carabao <coughs> Cup game just injecting themselves with, with Carabao, uh, that mysterious... Has anyone here ever had a Carabao, by the way? I haven't. No, no I've, I've never <laughs> even seen, seen them. <clears throat> I saw them one time in... A like back alley Asian supermarket in Virginia. That's the only yeah. place. Yeah, and I, yeah. I posed a picture. I posed with them in a picture, like they were the Premier League trophy at the football museum. It was like the highlight of my day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are they are very hard to come by. I think there may actually be something the Morrisons near me, but last time I saw them, they were on offer for like four for fifty p or something like that. So they're a mysterious substance. But yeah, Stefan Ortega did so well. Ollie, I'll just rattle through some stats for you. Obviously, played the ninety minutes, made five saves. He faced an expected goals of two point four six according to FOTMOB, which is astonishing when you consider that was the sort of numbers Chelsea were stacking up. Um, and, and with his feet as well, was picking out some long passes. How did you rate his performance? I'm, I'm sure it was high. Oh, I mean, absolutely brilliant, near perfect, apart from that little slip. But um, mm. as you say, that was probably just to keep on Edison's good side. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that the his performance tonight did two things for me, which is A, um, put some pressure on Edison. Now, don't get me wrong, I 100% agree with Adam. His starting position isn't in danger, but it's mm. always good to have yeah, that yeah. competition, uh, you know, within, within sort of the goalkeepers' union of, of any club and to sort of know and just, you know, put that bit of pressure on Edison that he he sort of has um, Stefan Ortega on his heels as, as someone who's clearly shown himself to be more than a capable shot, shot stopper and more than capable of, you know, playing in these big games. Mm. Um, I think that was the first thing that it did. And the second thing that I think it did is um, offer almost a, a bit of serenity to Man City fans, sort of know that, God forbid, anything ever does happen to Edison, you know, World Cup, World Cup is coming up, things happen in football, that we've got a genuinely um, reliable backup uh, keeper who, mm. you know, can can perform at this level. So I think, you know, he, he did everything that he could have tonight to make sure that expectations are high and that, you know, his reputation is high. Yeah, because uh, if you think back to when uh, Zach Steffen came in, I'm going to get my Steffens mixed up at one point, but Zach Steffen, City's old <laughs> keeper, came in. He, he just got off the back of a really strong couple of years with Fortuna Dusseldorf in, in Germany. And that that he, he looked composed when he came in. And obviously you have a few years on the bench and you sort of lose that match rhythm. And I think you, you can't underestimate the fact that Stefan Ortega is an experienced goalkeeper. He's been around the block for a while. You know, he's not a 22, 23, 24-year-old, but he's also been playing 
every single game for a number of years and, and he's come in and he's obviously had to wait a while to get his get his place but he's been fantastic when he has and um, moving on to, to a few more standout players for me I think both wide men Adam you said it before Grealish and Mares, who have come under criticism for different reasons from different people but they they shone really I think you know you is it as simple as two overlapping fullbacks? For me, I think it probably is, especially on that left-hand side with Sergio Gomez. You saw the way Jack Grealish played. Uh, Sky Sports gave him man of the match in the UK, so there was certainly eyes on him from a neutral point of view who were, who were sort of um, appreciating the performance. And it just looks so much more fluid, doesn't it? And if only Haaland was on the pitch, I know Alvarez did superb, but some of those chances in the first half that were being flashed across the box, City could have been three or four up in the first half. Yeah, I mean, that's what creating space for him will mm. do for you. Um, he was aggressive. He was on the front foot really from the off. Um, and, God, it's painful when he doesn't score. You can see oh, his heart breaking when yeah. he doesn't yeah. score. He, he, he's desperate for it, and I think the rest of us are are desperate for it as well. Um, surely the duck is going to have to break at some point. But, yeah, him and Mara's both – you know they're they're totally unlocked when they have people overlapping them and hmm. forcing defenders to kind of drop off of them. Um, you know I think Mares and Grealish are different cases. I think Mares has simply been out of form, whereas Grealish mm-hmm. hasn't been in the right circumstances. Um, mm-hmm. But you know for Mares to not only create the free kick but score the free kick. Um, and put it right over the head of the one man in the Chelsea wall that didn't <laughs> that jump. That was weird. That was so weird. <laughs> Um, it, it reminded me of the PSG goal because remember the yeah, PSG, yeah, the PSG yeah. wall was really, really good except for one little gap in it, and he, and he stuck <laughs> Maybe it he right knows. through. Maybe he How knows. Does is he it know? that? Yeah, is it that? Um, is it the 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 Batman film that came out recently? The the Does he know meme? Maybe that's Mares with free kicks. Does he know I think it's the one ca- player who's not going to jump? I think it's the Carabao. You know, what I mean, like he's just having that before the game <laughs> yeah. that gives him this sort of vision yeah. that yeah, we can't yeah. even imagine. Yeah, it's probably why trading standards need to get involved if it's if it's doing that sort of <laughs> stuff. But um, yeah, Ollie, what did you make of the two wide men? Because they were blistering all night, weren't they? They were they were they were an outlet for City, which I don't think we've had in recent weeks in terms of attacking play. Anyway, it's been a lot. It's been a bit stodgy. You've obviously got Cancelo, who's defensively is still flawed, and you've had to have plays dropping in to cover him. But for once, whenever City were on the counter, along with uh, Julian Alvarez, who was incredible yet again, and Cole Palmer in midfield, who I thought did a superb job of that sort of that first line of press, you had players there who were there to offer a counter-attack, and it wasn't just sort of, what can the three centre-backs lump towards in, in empty space up the pitch? Yeah, I think um, you know the, the, there was numerous positives about um, City's attack, but um, you know as we're touching on the wide men tonight, um, I think they sort of put a lot of the critics to rest tonight. Mm. Um, like, like Adam touched upon, Mares um, just just essentially showed tonight what, why he's why he's here, why he's still about, and what he can offer to this team. And I think people were too easy to forget that, and he just showed that little bit of class tonight, which you know just sort of says, look, this is this is what I'm capable of and this is why I'm in this team you know to get that free kick and score that goal Grealish was again brilliant I think quite similar to um, the Seville game he really enjoyed having a left footed um, left back with him um, I think that that offered so much going forward um, I thought that he was just desperate to score a goal tonight I, d- I don't know if either of you two saw but Man City released a video earlier today of Grealish um, essentially having a bit of a meet up with, with a young fan called uh, Finley who suffers from cerebral palsy and um, yeah I, I, I cried he- on the toilet watching it this morning <laughs> <laughs> it was gorgeous and- 
And towards towards the end of the video, he essentially let Finley decide what his next goal celebration would be. And he said, right, next time I score, you know, I'll, I'll do this celebration that you've picked out for me. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a hundred reasons as to why Jack Grealish wanted to score tonight. But every time he took a shot, I was just begging for it to go in so oh, that I could, you yeah. know, see him do that celebration. And, you know, imagine Finley's little heart lighting up. Um, felt like it was almost extra motivation. But, you know, as Adam said, like it just wouldn't drop for him. And hopefully, hopefully that will change in the coming weeks. But I thought, yeah, there were both superb yeah yeah i mean there's a few there's there's that young girl abby who he's who he's done a lot with and has invited to his box a few times with the with his family you know he's a lovely lovely yeah. fella and you just superb wish human. in the world yeah superb human you just you just know he's got it we we, we know we know he's got it and i think more people yeah. with performances like that will open their eyes to it um right, right let's speak about chelsea a little bit because they've been struggling recently but i have to say you know if i'm a Chelsea supporter leaving the stadium or turning the TV off after that game. Frustrated a little bit, Adam, I think it's fair to say. There's a young lad who was playing left wing back, Lewis Hall, who who was fantastic for me. Sort of real sort of battle with Rico Lewis down his side as well. But but even still, you know, they, they, they gave as good as he got. And, you know, don't get me wrong, Mendy was another goalkeeper who had a superb night, you know, just seemed to sort of specifically be there to stop Jack Grealish scoring. But how did you assess their performance? And more importantly, honour Mr Raheem Sterling who made his return to the Etihad, a quiet return to the Etihad. How did you assess the the reception the Etihad faithful gave him? Yeah, I mean, I, I got to say I was glad that his reception was um, pretty positive. I mean, I think there was a little bit of booze from the South Stand when he made his way mm-hmm. down there at one point, but on the whole, um, it was a positive reception. And and I listened to the episode with you and, and Ali McCool yesterday, who obviously... Um, you know, was a bit negative on on yeah, Sterling's return yeah. to the Etihad, and and you differed from him. Um, but I'm definitely on, on your side with this one. That you know, he, the ending got a bit toxic, and the ending wasn't the way that probably anybody wanted the situation to go. But you can't really overlook what he gave to this club for four or five seasons. And you know, I'd, I'd say arguably Pep's first two titles um, and that treble season don't happen without Raheem Sterling. So, Mm. um, but uh, Chelsea on the whole, it's interesting to see that Graham Potter went from one team with really good build-up play that just couldn't finish to a way more expensive team with really good (laughs) build-up play that just can't finish. Um, It it felt like they were crying out for a lethal goal scorer and, um, Obviously, there's a big man over in Milan now that might have been helpful for them to just mm. have a presence in the box. Um, but yeah, I, I thought they were fine. Um, they had their chances, didn't take them. Had they taken their chances, it would have been a completely different game because there was little five to ten minute spells where City were really under the cosh. Um, but Ortega stepped up, Chelsea didn't take their chances, and, mm. and City move on. So uh, I think the XG and, and most of the statistics kind of tell the story that they, they really did play City toe-to-toe. They just didn't take their chances. By a big man in Milan who would have taken the chances, do you mean Lukaku or do you mean Olivier Giroud? Because either of those would have been a decent <laughs> yeah. shout. Um, yeah. But yeah, you bang on it. I'm not too sure Brozier is the man. I think he did really well at, at Southampton. I remember him troubling City at St. Mary's, but he just... He just doesn't really see them, but hey, oh, it's not a Chelsea podcast, um, right? Oliver, uh, we'll we'll finish part one speaking about City's potential in this competition because it, it sort of like it or not, it does come quite fast. We've got the Brentford game on Saturday, and I think I'm right in saying the next game City will play after that will be the 
what's it now, round four of the Carabao Cup. Um, if mm. you were keeping across some of the results from elsewhere, there, there were some big scalps, actually. Brighton would beat Arsenal away from home. Tottenham were knocked out by Nottingham Forest. You had Blackburn, who beat West Ham, I think it was 10-9 on penalties. You obviously then had Liverpool scraping through on penalties. You had Newcastle scraping through on penalties. So there, there were a couple of big names who have gone out there. It's all dependent on the draw. By the time this goes out, the draw won't be done. It's done after United play Villa tonight. So what what do you think City should be really sort of as they have done in the past, not prioritizing this competition, but going hard in it? Or when they come back after the World Cup break, would you be expecting to see a sort of using it as a preseason friendly almost? Um I honestly think that question depends on the circumstance that the team comes back from after the World Cup. Yeah, um, good answer. You know, if yeah, it's a very political answer, but yeah. if, if if City come back with a fully fit squad, then I'd expect us to go at it. If they come back with a, a few players, few key players that have had injuries, then mm. um you can only put together what you can put together. But uh, as as we said at the start of the podcast, I'd always expect City to uh try and compete at all levels of any competition. And I think that's one thing that Pep Guardiola has said time and time and time again uh, throughout his time at City. He goes into every game to win. You know, even when it's the dead rubbers at the end of group stage in Champions Leagues, even if it's against, you know, a, a championship or a league one side in, in a Carabao Cup game or an early FA Cup tie, like he, he tactically goes into that game to win all the time. And I don't think that will differ, um, you mm. know, depending whether it's who we get, whether it's um, the shape of the squad, I don't think that will change. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm looking at some of the teams already. I'd love Blackburn away. That would be a great sort of pre-Christmas night out. In Well, maybe not in Blackburn, but uh, <laughs> on the day itself. Um, right, we'll call it a day. afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll call it a day for part one. We'll be back in a jiffy for part two, where we'll do a little bit of uh, previewing England's World Cup squad, which is out later on today. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. I'm joined by one Englishman and an American. Um, Adam, I'll start with you then. Sort of linking it to the Chelsea game, Calvin Phillips made his return. He must have got about 45-ish minutes, including added time at the end. So it was sort of a full half of football. Firstly, what did you make of him? Secondly, if you could get on the blower to Gareth Southgate in between now and the World Cup squad going out, would you be saying take him yes or take him no? Um, against Chelsea, I thought he was fine. Um, mm. he linked up with, you know, he came on with Bernardo, which, which helped because I think, you know, Calvin's obviously going to take some time to get back to full fitness and Bernardo is just a rocket ship launching to the moon at all times. Um, so that, so that helped him. I think if he had maybe come in alongside Gundogan, who had played, you know, 75 odd mm. minutes, it maybe would have been a bit more tricky for him. Um, but, you know, he, he's a natural in that position and he looks totally comfortable kind of running that holding midfield spot by himself. And the early signs that we saw from him, whether it was in on the preseason tour or the very few minutes that we saw from him before his injuries, he looks totally comfortable and he doesn't look like he's going to need a ton of time to bet in when he gets back to full fitness. Mm. Would I be taking him to Qatar if I was Gareth Southgate? I mean, what are the other options? Declan Rice, Jordan Henderson... Um, yeah, who else is, is in that midfield? I mean, if we're if we're already Colin talking Gallagher. about James, if we're already talking about James Ward Prowse, I think Calvin Phillips has got to go. I love James Ward Prowse. I think he's a phenomenal mm. footballer. But if that's the man that you're relying on when you're a, um, I would you know somewhat of a World Cup favorite. I think he might even be the bookies' favorites at the start 
of the draw, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Usually, always are. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't mean to say that England will be the, the favorite. <laughs> but, but, af- but after the 2018 performance and the Euro performance, I mean, you, you've got to be going into it as favorites. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I think he's certainly got to be in the squad, whether or not he plays that much, or you know, if he gets 10 to 15 minutes in the group stage in each game, and you can maybe get him ready for bigger games down the line. Mm-hmm. Fine. Um, but I don't see any reason not to bring him because I don't think you've got um, a ton of options that are kind of chomping at the bit to take his spot. Yeah, yeah. And I think he could do a really, really good role if he's not starting. I think Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham will we'll do plenty of World Cup previews in the run up to the tournament. But Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham is a good enough midfield too. Calvin Phillips is a superb closer. So someone to bring on and enforce the sort of last 15 minutes if you were goal up and just get that ball moving because he did it superbly against Chelsea. He completed 36 out of his 38 passes in, in 40-odd minutes, which is an incredible um, ratio. As for the, the rest of the English City players, Ollie, we've got, who have we got in the in the potential to go? Grealish, Foden, John Stones... Calvin Phillips, as we've mentioned. The other one there is Kyle Walker. Now, we've not seen Kyle Walker for, I think it was the Manchester derby back in early October. Mm. He's a little bit more of a doubt, I reckon, but the seniority role he holds in that England squad, you're probably going to have to take him anyway, aren't you? Because especially considering England's right-back problems, Reese James is out, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold can't be, can't be trusted, according to Gareth Southgate. Do you take him and risk further injury down the line or do you say unlucky mate you're going to have to miss out I think if I'm Gareth Southgate um, I take Carl Walker um, I don't necessarily think that he starts unless you know he makes mm. some miraculous um, sort of progress in the next week or so I'd imagine that Trippier will probably be favoured but like you say for that sort of for that seniority um, for that experience that he brings you know the past couple of tournaments he, and I, I, I believe he's captained England in the past so he's clearly trusted within that sort of dressing mm. room um, you, you'd have to take him and I think similarly not like sort of um, as we said with Phillips, the the other options in in that position, um, you know, don't offer as offer as much. You know, you've you've got um, Reese James, who's unfortunately injured. Kieran Trippier, I, su- I suspect, would start, and then, as you said, uh, Trent Alexander Arnold just isn't trusted for whatever reason by Gareth Southgate. Um, so I, I I think he he's got to go. I think you know the other lads, the other City lads are already on the plane, John Stones, um, mm. Jack Grealish and Phil Foden and Calvin Phillips. Again, there's just no one else who offers what he offers um, in terms of having experience at a tournament. He's been England's player of the year before. Um, and I, d- I don't think anyone else has really competed for that spot. You know, there was, there was times in the past couple of seasons where Jesse Lingard was having a, you know, a run of form at West Ham. Conor Gallagher was having a great run of form at Crystal Palace. Uh, likewise with James Ward-Prowse toward the back end of last season at Southampton. But this season, you know, in the first 10, 15 games when you really need to make an impression to get on that play. And I don't think either of those players have stepped up. So for mm. familiar, for familiar, familiarity, can't say the word, you'd be taking <laughs> Calvin mean, Phillips. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And he did really well with Declan Rice, didn't he? Um, and uh, at the Euro. So I, I, maybe by the time you listen to this, the, the squad's come out and he's not there, but you'd assume he goes. Um, Adam, just from a sort of, I'm interested in your take on Kyle Walker as a, a non-English City supporter. Obviously, there's skin in the game in terms of the group stage for you in the US and you, you sort of want 
England to be as sort of minimised as possible. But in terms of a City point of view, someone who isn't of an English persuasion, do you worry about his potential inclusion and the fact that we've seen before him have injuries? He's come back, not early, you know, he's been out a while, but could probably do without football in the next few weeks, let's be honest. And in an international environment, it gets a little bit niggly. It gets a little bit sort of different to the the, the top of the range club doctors, I'm sure Guardiola would, would say. Do you worry that potentially it could damage City's hopes further down the line? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it kind of feels like Kyle Walker is one injury away from his career ending. Mm, he, yeah. he just seems to be like he's already starting to slow down. And if he starts to pick up little knocks here and there, you know, little muscular injuries and things like that, that's the last thing in the world you want to see for a guy who relies so heavily on his pace. And that's not to say that his only attribute is his pace, but it's his pace that brings out all of the good things about his defensive abilities. Mm. Um, Mm. From a U.S. point of view and from a city point of view, I don't want to see him go. Uh, I'd I'd rather him be sitting on the couch for the next few weeks um, that's purely from a football point of view uh, for him as a human and the fact that you know he's beyond the hump of 30 years old and you don't know how many more World Cups he'd have in him. For him, I'd love for him to go and at least be a part of it, especially if this is a team that maybe could do special things and go far mm-hmm. in the tournament. Um, but from the city pr- persuasion, the best thing would be for to, him to be sitting alongside Erling and Riyadh and, and watching from the couch. <laughs> be some watching party, that, wouldn't it? Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you, you, we obviously adore him and, and sort of the person he is. And I don't know if he's got another tournament in him, let alone another World Cup. I think that's well gone. I think you'd be lucky to get to, to Germany in 2024 for the Euros. So, you know... Take him, but if he if he doesn't have to play, he doesn't have to play, and bring him back in bubble wrap. Uh, hopefully, with the, the the shiny World Cup trophy in his hand. Uh, right, gents, that has been a lot of fun. Um, obviously, you've been oh, so we're cities. not talking about the US now. We don't. We're I mean, not going to have a fair and balanced <laughs> coverage. I mean, of, of group. What are we group I A? Mean, Group last B. last time, Group B. Last yeah, I've been on my Panini sticker book. It's definitely Group B. Last time I checked, City didn't have any uh, any uh, US players, so it is fair and balanced, you know, Adam. This is a City podcast. <laughs> unless you want, unless you want to send Gio Reyna over for a for a small fee, you can send him over with Bellingham as well uh, from the Dortmund. No, I promise we we will speak about the US, but not tonight. Um, Ollie, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure as always. Adam, are you going to start crying now because we've shunted the US men's national team or can you get over it for for a couple of days at least? I'm only crying about the amount of Seattle representation in the squad that came out. That's all I'm <laughs> crying about. <laughs> yeah, as a Portland stalwart, I can imagine that's tough to take. At least they'll be uh, at least they'll be able to fight and probably not win, but fight and finish third. Um, right, okay, that'll do for today's podcast. I've been Amos Murphy. I've been joined by Oliver Lowe and Adam Booker. Hit follow, hit subscribe, share it with your mates, share it with your mum, share it with your gran, all of the lovely people in your life. Until next time, see you later.
Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.